urgency. You see, Paul writes to Timothy, and we'd like to just read that passage. If you've got your Bibles, open it up to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Otherwise, I would just read it to you. But Paul warns a young Timothy about such a time as this. We'll read 2 Timothy chapter 4, the first five verses. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And that I believe Paul would say to you and I, but for you. Because he reminds Timothy here of exactly what we're seeing happening in our world today. We are seeing people, and some of the churches in my country, I'm afraid, are turning away from sound doctrine. They are teaching what people's itching ears want to hear. They're teaching a politically correct gospel. They're suiting their own passions. They're following their own lusts. They're turning away from the truth. What does the Lord Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. They are wandering away from that truth and they're turning to miss. That's the world we're living in, brothers and sisters in Christ. What are we going to do about it? What can we do about it? And I just believe Paul would say to you and I today, but you, as he would say to Timothy, be ready, be prepared to share the word, to share the good news of the gospel in season and out of season. So preach the word, be ready, endure suffering. Do you know, I believe the day will come and is coming when Christians who stand on the authority of God's word in your country and maybe in other countries, certainly in mine, will be coming when we will have to endure suffering. Are we ready? Do you know in the UK, in my country, they are threatening to make England an Islamic state within 10 years? That is not an idle threat either. So we may have to endure suffering. But the Lord said, don't be surprised. The world hated me first. Don't be surprised if they hate you. But you endure suffering and do the work of an evangelist. An evangelist is one who shares good news. And we have good news. We have good news that God loves every man, woman and child on this planet. So much so that he sent his only son to that cross. But the big challenge is how do we do it? How do we do it in this day and age? And I want you to to share with you three ways. And I believe God would challenge all of us today as to how we can do just that. And that's by being three things. An unashamed witness, an unashamed worker, and an unashamed warrior for the gospel of Jesus Christ.
Let's think about those. Let's think first of all about being an unashamed witness. What did Paul say to Timothy? You go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Don't be ashamed. I say this reverently. He wasn't ashamed to go to the cross for you and I. To pay the penalty for our sin. How can we be ashamed? Paul could say I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Of course he wasn't. Why? Because it was a blessing. It was a secret of salvation to all those who believe. It's the power of God unto salvation. We can't be ashamed of our Lord. We need to be unashamed witnesses and stand firm. Put on that whole armor of God and be prepared to stand. And Jesus said to the disciples, didn't he? You will be my witnesses. Not you may be, or I would like you to be. You will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem. Where's your Jerusalem? New Orleans. What about Judea and Samaria? And what about the uttermost parts or the ends of the earth? You may say to me, Bill, I can't go to the ends of the earth. Do you know, I've had the great opportunity of traveling all over the world, but I've never been to all the ends of the earth. But brothers and sisters in Christ... You can be part of a ministry that in God's sovereign grace is going into all the world. Because by God's mercy, we in the Gideons are able to place copies, little copies like this, the word of God, in 197 countries around the world. And we are hoping to give this year over 80 million copies. That's more than two every second. That's God's grace. And it's only possible, though, by your gracious prayers and practical support. So you can be a part of being a witness throughout the world to the uttermost parts of the earth. But there's also a personal aspect of our witness. And that's sometimes a little bit harder for some of us, isn't it? It really is. I want to tell you a little story. I was flying on American Airlines once. I don't know whether many of you know flying on the American Eagle flights. They're kind of like a a sardine can on wings. And I got onto this plane, and my seat was by the window, and sitting in the aisle was a very tall, big gentleman. And I thought he would get up and let me sit down. Not a bit of it. He didn't move. So I had to kind of take a run and hop and a skip to jump over him and flollop into my seat by the window. After a while, I soon began to realize why he hadn't got up because his arm kept falling down onto my lap like that and he'd pull it back. And I realized that this dear man had had a stroke. And he was obviously very weak and he kept apologizing. I said, please don't apologize. I said, you're on your way to Nashville, are you? He said, yes, I am. I said, well, that's interesting. What do you do? He said, well, I'm going to a map reading conference. I said, that's a very interesting type of conference to go to. Um, What do you do? He said, well, I'm actually the chief map designer of the Pentagon. I said, wow. Wow. He said, yeah, that's a rather responsible job. He said, yeah, I'm responsible for checking all the maps for the military to make sure they are accurate throughout the world. I said, wow. So he said, I'm going to a conference about map reading to make sure accuracy. And I said, that's wonderful. He said, what are you going to Nashville for? He said, well, I'm going to a conference too, I said. I said, oh, what's your conference about? I said, my conference is about maps as well. And he said, Really? I said, yeah, but mine's about the map of life. And I picked out a little testament and gave it to him. And he said, 
What do you mean? I said, well, you see, this little book gives the secret of our path and our walk in life. But it also gives us the way to eternal life through Jesus Christ. He said, I'd never thought about it like that before. And for the rest of the flight, we were able to share about the map of the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. Do you know, folks, opportunities keep arising if we just look for them. And it's very important because as we share that little book, as we share the word of God, what do we find? Jesus said, I am the way. And that dear man needed a map in his life and he said, I'd never thought about that before. God gives these little opportunities if we look for them. And all of us need to be an unashamed witness. Wherever we are, whatever people we meet, our family, our friends, our next door neighbours, we all need to be an unashamed witness. Come with me to Bangkok. I was in Bangkok a little while ago, some years ago, and it was my first visit to Thailand. So they said, ah, tomorrow you will have a guide, a free guide and a driver. I said, thank you very much. That's wonderful news. All you need to do is to pay the petrol. I said, thank you. So the following morning, sure enough, a lovely little Thai girl called Toy turned up at my hotel. Lovely kid she was. Spoke beautiful English with a driver who spoke no English at all. And off we went. And she took me around Bangkok. We went to Buddhist temple after Buddhist temple. We went everywhere. I saw big Buddhas, fat Buddhas, thin Buddhas, lying Buddhas, sitting Buddhas. Buddha in every shape, sort and size. Till I had Buddha coming out of my ears. <laughs> but then the last straw was when we went to a gold Buddha. And Toy rubbed some gold leaf on it to keep the Buddha gold. Oh, I said, Toy, you told me a lot about your God. Can I tell you about mine? Do you think that would be very interesting? I said, there's a huge difference between your God and my God. Oh, what's that? She said, my God, I said, is a living God. And my God loves you. Oh, she said, he doesn't know me. I said, oh, yes, he does. He made you. And then we gave her a little testament, just like this. And there you can see her in the front of the car reading that little testament. And she's turned to the back page where there is a plan of salvation. And she read and she read so much so that the driver got very cross with her because she forgot to tell him where to go. I tell you folks, we didn't go to another Buddhist temple. Went to a crocodile farm, but no Buddhist temple. (laughs) When we got back to the hotel, Toy didn't want to go. And I thought, why is she not going? And I suddenly realized I'd not given her a tip, so I got in my pocket to get out my wallet. She said, oh, no, no, no. I said, well, how can I help you, Toy? She said, well, is it possible for someone to change their God? I said, oh, yes. And there and then, in the foyer of that hotel, Toy gave her life to Jesus Christ. Folks, there's power in this book. There's power to transform life. But we must be prepared, you and me. But you, we must be prepared to be an unashamed witness, to do the work, to look for the opportunities, to look for the opportunities of just sharing a word with our next door neighbor, our friends, our people we work with, people at college, or whatever it might be. We must be an unashamed witness and fulfill our ministry. How do we do that? Well, I think one of the things we should be doing is praying for the opportunity. 
Do you know, when I was a medical student many, many years ago, I think it was before the Boer War, you know, it was, it was many, many moons ago, but I remember one day praying specifically, Lord, give me an opportunity for witnessing. And do you know, I nearly was blown away when then suddenly at lunchtime I found myself talking to a friend. I was sitting next door to another student about the Lord. And I suddenly realized, wow, I was surprised. The Lord had answered my prayer. Why was I surprised? Folks, how often do we actually get up every morning and say, give me an opportunity to witness for you today? In the Gideons, we have a little challenge. We have a little challenge that we should have at least a word of witness and give a little testament to someone every week. Now, that actually, to me, I think is really rather pathetic. Because if we're asked to be witnesses throughout the world, one a week... Do I only meet one lost soul a week? Why only one a week? But the opportunities are there for all of us just to share our faith. And I believe that God in his sovereign grace through this little passage of scripture would challenge each one of us to be an unashamed witness. But what about an unashamed worker? That word work, sometimes, you know, it gets a bit uncomfortable. Have you noticed that? When you talk about hard work, it's very interesting how volunteers kind of just evaporate sometimes. But what does Paul say to young Timothy? He said, do your best to present yourself to God, one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You see, what is extraordinary is Paul writes to the Corinthians, we're referred to as God's fellow workers. Have you ever thought about yourself as that before? A fellow worker with the sovereign, omnipotent God of all creation? That is extraordinary. That God wants to be a fellow worker with you and with me. It's a huge privilege. And I think we need to take that a little bit more seriously. Because what does the Lord Jesus say in John chapter 9? He says, we must work while it is day. Why? Because the night is coming when no one can work. I don't know when that night's coming, folk. But I see that it's evening now. Night is coming. Do you know, some years ago in Ethiopia, there was a sudden, uh, terribly rigid communist government was imposed on Ethiopia after the reign of Emperor Haile Selassie. And the Gideons there suddenly wondered whether they had to close down because they weren't allowed to even meet, to pray. They certainly weren't allowed to give out scriptures in a public way. But you know, one of their numbers was a pharmacist. And he actually used to have a curfew license to drive round at night. And he'd pick up one of the members and they'd pray together in the car. And he'd go round, drop them, pick up another one, go round and pray. And then drop him and pick up another one, pray and go round like that. And they just prayed, Lord, give us the opportunity. And when I met one of them, he said, Bill, you go back to the US and the UK and to tell them to work while it is day. Because the night is coming. He said there was a time under Emperor Haile Selassie when we were able to freely give out the scriptures, freely witness. Did we? Yeah, but half-heartedly because we had no real sense of urgency. And then suddenly the night came and we couldn't do anything. And he said we were desperate. 
God in his sovereignty opened that door again. And once again now, there is a vibrant Gideon activity. Local Christians in that, in that country giving out the word of God. But there's a warning to you and I that the night may come to the UK and the US when we can't work. We need to work now while it's day because I believe God's given us a window of opportunity and the night and the evening is drawing near. Let me give you an uh, illustration about a window of opportunity. Come with me to a country called Honduras. You know where it is. It's in Central America. And I once had the opportunity about 18 months ago of leading what we call a scripture blitz to Tegucigalpa and Cormaguela, two of the big cities in Honduras. We have a team and what we go in, we have a team and give out scriptures to the schools, the colleges, hotels, hospitals, prisons, fire brigades, army, police, etc., etc. We were terribly excited about this opportunity. It's a big city, millions of people in those two cities, and over Tegucigalpa is a huge statue of Christ. But very, very few people in that city knew the person of Jesus. They could just see a statue. He was a statue and that was all. And into that uh, country we went and our aim was to give out 80,000 copies of the word of God in five days. But when I got there a day earlier, my heart sunk. I was met by the local Christian Gideons there and they said, Bill, we've got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, all the schools are closed. They've been closed because of the threat of swine flu. I said, oh, that's bad news. He said, it gets worse. He said, because all the universities are on strike. All the universities are closed as well. I said, well, we'll have to do sidewalk distribution. They said, no, that won't work because it's a rainy season. And when it rains in Honduras, it rains. It's as if the heavens open, they pour out buckets, not raindrops. It rains there, and it did rain. So the team arrived and they said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, but we're going to pray. And we all met and we sent messages back to the different countries, say, look, will you pray for Honduras? And we went to the churches the following morning and said, will you pray? Monday morning came. We got up and we had a time of prayer again. And the team said, Bill, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, but we're just going to go. So we loaded up with boxes and boxes of scriptures and we went. Do you know what happened that morning? That was the morning the government opened up all the schools. We were able to go in and give every single one there of those young people their own personal copy. For some of them, the first book they'd ever owned. It was just a wonderful experience to see what these kids do. And they immediately wrote their name in it. Because this was something that they treasured. And you know, it was just such a special thing to see the names of those kids in their books. In the word of God. Why is it so special? Because we know God has promised, my word shall not return to me void and empty. Isaiah 55, 11, we know he's going to accomplish that whereto he sends it. Such a privilege to see it in the hands of those. Wednesday evening came, we said, what are we going to do Thursday morning? We'd done all the schools. We thought we'd take longer, but because of the university being interspersed. But no, we did all the schools by Wednesday evening. Do you know when the university opened up? Thursday morning. All the staff went back, the strike was over, and of course the students had not been at university for three weeks because of the strike. We were able to give out even more than we anticipated. And that week, we were able to give out over 100,000 copies of God's inspired, inerrant and infallible word. We give him all the glory for that. 
I think they liked it, don't you? I love that little boy's face. To see he's clutching it. Hey, this is great stuff. And I love it. But do you know what happened? On the Saturday, we all went home. Do you know what happened on the Sunday? There was a coup in Honduras. And the whole country closed down entirely. Folk, if we'd gone a week before, the schools and universities would have been closed. If we'd gone a week after, the country would have been closed. God gave us a window of opportunity. And it was God-given. Folks, I believe today he is giving you and I, in your country, in my country, a window of opportunity of getting the word of God out. Because it's going to require hard work. I tell you one of the worst experiences I ever have when I'm doing some of these blitzes is when you start to run out of scriptures. When you haven't got enough. When you just have, go into a prison and all the prisoners are there wanting them and you don't have enough. And then you have to run for your life to get out because there's a mad scram because they realize you've run out. Folk, I don't like running out of scriptures because men, women and young people around the world need to know the truth of Jesus Christ who loves them and gave himself for them. We can make a difference to that in your country, in my country, because in many of these countries, they can't afford them unless we send them. So it is hard work, and it will go on being hard work, but what I believe God is saying to you and I today, you be faithful, you sow the seed, and I'll provide the increase. But we've got to sow. As somebody once said, corn in the barn doesn't grow. We've got to sow the seed and see the impact. And that means handing out the word of God. Because as Paul reminded the Romans, how shall they hear without a preacher? I thank God for this church. I can't tell you what a privilege it is to be here this morning and to share with you. I thank God for the faithful preaching of the word of God from this pulpit week in, week out. Thank God for that privilege, folk. But there are millions around the world who will never come into a church like this. How shall they hear? Well, we can do something about that as we join together in partnership in this ministry, handing out the word of God, sharing a word of testimony. Indeed, seeing these kids around the world looking with gay interest, fascination at the truth of God's word. You make that possible. And I want to say thank you to you for your support for this ministry. You see, what now is not the time to imitate Laodicea. By the way, those are the plains of Laodicea there. What's left on Laodicea? There's only just an old aqueduct left in Laodicea now. The old city's gone. Do you know what's in that aqueduct? Lukewarm water. What did God say to the church in Laodicea? He said, I know your deeds, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. But so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. May that never be said of the church of Jesus Christ in the UK and the US that we are lukewarm. We need to be on fire. Paul would say, be ready. Each of us need to be ready to be on fire for Jesus Christ because the night is coming when we won't be able to work. Yeah, the fields are white under harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And there may be some here, some Christian business or professional men, who'd love to join us 
in this ministry. If they do, please have a word with us afterwards because the laborers are few. We're praying the Lord of the harvest will send his laborers into that harvest for his eternal praise and glory. But finally, before we finish, what about being unashamed warriors? This is a tough one, isn't it? You see, Paul writes to Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian's pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. We are called men and women. We are called into the army of the King of Kings folk. And we need, as Joel reminds us, to rouse the warriors, rouse the mighty men. We need, the church of God needs to stand up today and be counted. We need to put on that whole armor of God and go into battle with the sword of the Spirit. We need to be unashamed warriors. Oh, it's not going to be easy. We are involved in spiritual warfare, folks. Make no mistake about it. And spiritual warfare is tough. But we're on the victory side. And that's the most wonderful thing. You see, the enemy flows these little fiery darts at you and I, he knows where to throw them to. He knows your and my spiritual Achilles heels. He knows how to throw them and he's accurate. But we're on the victory side. Some of our dear brothers and sisters around the world are being persecuted terribly. We've just been reminded of that, of the evilness of Boko Haram in Nigeria recently, haven't we? With those kidnap of those 300 little girls. Pray for those girls, folk. Pray for their parents. Pray for their deliverance. But there's evil in the world. There's persecution. Do you know in Nigeria, some Gideons were going to a school in northern Nigeria. And on their way, they came to a road. And there were six headless bodies lying by the side of the road killed by Boko Haram they were scared and they said should we go back they said no we've got to go on to this school to give out the word of God and they went on they were at the school about an hour gave out several hundred testaments to those children who took them gladly on their way back they went past that road a bit fearful there were now eight bodies by the road the Gideons had just passed through and in that intervening time the terrorists had come back but God preserved his people But that is courage. We read in Joshua chapter 1 the exhortation to be strong and very courageous. We cannot do it on our own strength. I am not strong. I'm not courageous. But I serve one who's given me an armor. A wonderful armor to put on that we might serve him and be unashamed warriors in everything. Come with me to prison because sometimes it's quite frightening going into some of these places. It may not surprise you to know that I've been to prison many times. What may surprise you is I've got out each time. But they have been visitations. But I want you to come and meet Brian Piggott. I went into one day at the request of the prison chaplain to meet Brian. And I said, hello, my name's Bill. He said, mine's Brian. I said, tell me about yourself, Brian. He said, oh, don't you know? I said, no, no, tell me about yourself. He said, that's very embarrassing. I said, don't be embarrassed. I'm a friend. He took a deep breath and he said, I've just murdered my wife. I don't know whether anybody's ever said that to you, but it's a bit of a conversation stopper. What do you say? You don't say hard luck, old chap. You know, what do you say? I'd say, you better tell me some more. He said, well, I came home one day and found my wife in bed with another man and I killed them both. 
and now I know that all's ahead of me is a life sentence. I was so distressed that I tried to take my own life. But he said, when you're in prison, they take away all wherewithal for committing suicide. In my distress, I wandered into the prison library. And on the shelf there, you may not better see it clearly, there was a Bible. He said, I have to admit, I'd never opened a Bible in my life, let alone read one. But I thought, now is the time. So he said, I opened the Bible, and to my surprise, first page, where to find help? When? And one of them was conscious of sin. And I started to read. And I read how God could forgive sin. That made me more depressed because he said, I knew God could never forgive murder. And there you can see that little heading, conscious of sin. I said, hold on, my friend. And we went to those wonderful verses in John's first letter, chapter one. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I said, that includes murder. He said, really? I said, absolutely. And then that boy, he took that Bible, he looked at those words, he looked at them, and then with tears streaming down his face, Brian Pickett gave his life to Jesus Christ. Folk, what would have happened if that Bible had not been in that prison? How would Brian have heard that Jesus loves him? That's why we in the Gideons love to join with you. We rather think of ourselves as an extended missionary arm of your church. Because you see, we work with churches anywhere to reach the unreached everywhere. We can't do it without each other. It's a partnership in the gospel. And I want to say thank you for being a partner. Thank you for being an unashamed warrior for the gospel an unashamed warrior for the king. But make no mistake about it, there's opposition out there. You go into some hotels around the world and you may have four books. Book of Mormon, Teachings of Buddha, the Quran, and the Bible. Just pray that the Spirit of God will indeed work in the lives and minds of uh, travelers that they'll pick up the right book. The only book that can give them the secret to eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that is God's word. So just pray for the warfare. You see, I'm very conscious. That is a hospital I worked in recently. What's that on the wall there? That's not a Gideon Bible. That's a Quran. Folk, we need to work while it is day. The night is coming. Come with me before we finish to Malaysia. Difficult country. Very, very rigid Islamic country. It's illegal to proselytize or to give a copy of the Bible or to share the gospel with a, with a Muslim at the risk of imprisonment for six months. And we were there with the Bible Blitz. We were able to do, give out many, many copies, but mainly to the Chinese inhabitants of that country, the Chinese students in the schools, even the Chinese patients in the hospitals. We were able to do that but not to a Muslim. We were outside a school, and that young man you can see there with the blue and yellow sweatshirt on came up to one of the local Gideons, you see the photograph there, and said, can I have one? Now we knew that the teachers and the police were watching us. So that Gideon said, you know I can't give you one. I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to. But he said, I want one. Then he saw me, funny colored face, 
talking very peculiarly. I obviously wasn't a local. He said, that idiot would give me one. So over he came to me. And he said, can I have one? And I said, look, I'm sorry. You know I'm not allowed to give you one. He said, but I want one. How can I get one? I said, well, maybe the only way you can get one is if you see one that's dropped or someone's thrown away. And he looked at me, then he grinned. He said, I see. Now, as I crossed the road, I don't know, I had quite a pile in my hand. (laughs) I think I dropped one. I don't know. (laughs) But he grabbed it and he ran off. And he said, ah, and he ran off in the distance. Brothers and sisters, pray for that guy. I don't even know his name. But he's got a copy of God's word. And God's word's not going to return to our Heavenly Father void. I just wanted you to meet this guy. He was a doctor. So I went into his surgery. He said, could we put some little testaments by, in your waiting room just for those non-Muslim patients who would like to read one? He said, I don't mind. A load of rubbish, but I don't mind. I don't believe in anything. Um, yeah, you can put a few there. He said, you're a pastor, are you? I said, no. Oh, where are you from? I said, I'm from England. What do you do in England? I said, I'm a surgeon. He said, excuse me, you're a surgeon in England. What are you doing over here? I said, I'm over here to give you these little books. He said, you've come all the way from England as a surgeon to give me some little books to put in my waiting room. I said, yes. He said, hey, you give me one of those. They must be important. <laughs> and he also said, I want your email address because as I read it, I may have some questions. Pray for that, doctor. That as he reads the Spirit of God, will assure once again the truth of Isaiah 55, verse 11. Look at this girl. She's reading the decision page at the back of each one of those little testaments. Just a few seconds after I took that photograph, she took out a pen and signed it and gave her life to Christ. What a great God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. We need to be an excited people about serving the living God. And so, folks, I want to finish by also giving you a warning. Come with me to Jakarta. We went into a school in Jakarta. We weren't allowed to hand them out, but they, they could ask for one. And that girl was the first, said, please, can I have one? And look at her hand. I'll never forget that kid as long as I live. We gave out 300 that day, and as we were just leaving, in burst two Muslim security guards. I said, what are you doing? And the headmaster said, they're just giving them out to those who have asked for them. And he said, that's not allowed. You will be sacked. The poor headmaster almost went pale. They then got the boxes and went round all those kids and made them drop their testaments back into the box. They got to that final girl, that one who clutched it to her chest, said, no, no, it's mine. And they got a truncheon out of their belt and hit her on the shoulder and she collapsed and dropped her testament into the box. They then sent all those kids home. Do you know, I could hardly take that last picture because of the tears in my eyes. You see, the enemy was at work as well. We need to recognize the reality of spiritual warfare. You see, folks, look at this next picture. It illustrates the parable of the sower. You see, some sow, some seed will fall upon the wayside, and the birds of the air will pluck it away before it can take root. Some will fall upon stony ground. It will bring up, but then immediately die because it's got no roots. And some will be choked by the weeds of this world. But some will fall on good ground. 
and bring forth much fruit for the eternal praise and glory of God and the eternal salvation of men, women, and children. But we need to pray. Do you know, I believe God will get a copy of the word of God to those kids. I believe that in his sovereign grace. But it just served to show me the reality of the spiritual warfare. We need to be unashamed warriors. We need to rouse the warriors, not soldiers like this, but we need to rouse the warriors who are not army, but rouse the warriors who are prayer warriors. That we will be on our knees daily to ask for opportunities to be an unashamed witness, to be able to give out the word of God, to be an unashamed worker and an unashamed warrior. And so folks, I finish. I just want to say thank you. But as we've been talking about warfare, just remember, we're on the victory side. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he went to that cross at Calvary, won a mighty, mighty victory. And we are, though, armies now called to be roused in the army of the King of Kings. You see, come with me just to China, because do you know what's happening now? China, which has been closed for years, now a country of oh, so many million and million of people, we are able to distribute legally copies of the Word of God in China. International teams, we're printing them inside the country. No smuggling. It's done through Christian businessmen contacted by other churches. This is a miracle. Yeah, it's a warfare over there, but God is working the victory. So I finish, but the three challenges remain for each one of us. Unashamed witness, unashamed worker, unashamed warrior. Folk, we need to be a personal witness. I want to thank you for being co-workers with us and the Gideons as we seek to share the word of God around the world. But we also need to recognize the urgency of the spiritual warfare we're involved in. So there are three opportunities for us today. Will you please, with us, join in praying for this ministry. God says in his word, I set before you an open door that no man can close. Will you pray with us that no man will close that door to his word? Will you also be able to join with us in participating? There may, as I said, be some Christian business or professional men who'd like to join with us. And then finally, you may wish to give practical support so the word of God goes out. Do you know we can put one of these in the hand of a person around the world for $1.25? That's all it takes. Will you join with us? One of the things which we're so excited about is the life book. And if you you don't know anything about the life book, come and talk to us. This is a peer-to-peer distribution in schools. Schools are closed to us. And yet we can give this little gospel of John to young people to take in and share with their peers. It's annotated by lots of little comments by students. It's a wonderful little gift. And so perhaps your youth pastor with your youth here might be very interested in giving out the life book in their schools. And then another thing that you might find that will be helpful for you are the cards. Opportunities of giving out Bibles at the same time as sending cards. We've brought you another display of cards today. So you may find opportunities of sending a card to say, we're praying for you, times of great excitement or times of great need or the loss of a loved one, we can put scriptures in their memory. There's so many opportunities for doing that. But I just want to say a final big three thank yous to you. And as you're unashamed in prayer, as unashamed in going, and unashamed in giving folk, my simple word is you look at those young people around the world, as you look at the need of our society today, you with the Gideons 
are partners in this ministry. And so all I say to you is a very huge thank you and God bless you. Thank you so much, brother. Bill and Grace may need to leave pretty quickly. They have to get on their plane to get back to England. We don't know why they wouldn't rather stay here, but that's how that works. Just a few thoughts. We're going to give you an opportunity to give. We say that without any apology. And I want us to know this. Bill didn't mention this. 